Hey guys, and welcome to Fika with Rice, a podcast about life hacks, inspirational life stories, routines, and keys to success. I'm your host, Frederick Van Huyen, and each week I meet some of the most incredible people in the world from self-made millionaires, best-selling authors, experts, and world-class athletes. My goal is to extract their wisdom, mindset, tools, so you can use them in your daily life, but above all, to inspire you. Let's get this Fika started. Welcome to episode 19 by Fika with Rice. This week, we meet the former UFC lightweight champion of the world, Jens Little Evil Pulver. We learn how to develop a world champion mindset, how to build routines, why scheduling everything is the key to success, no matter what you want to achieve, and how to find your inner middle finger. A super inspirational episode with so many life lessons, goal nuggets, and actionable advices. Let's get this Fika started. This is Jens' story. Let's go. Jens Pulver, what an honor. Welcome to Fika with Rice. I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have such an uh, inspirational story. And uh, the first time I read about your story, I found it really inspirational. Uh, Jens, you're the first ever lightweight UFC champion in the world. You retired five, six years ago, if I've done my homework correctly. But what you had to go through growing up in a family of abuse, and your journey, you know, to where you are today is really what, what stood out to me. And I think there will be a lot of people in the audience today who will be resonating with you. So a big thank you for being here with me. For sure. Thanks for having me. To get started, Jens, how was your childhood? How, and how did you get into fighting? You know, I think it was more I got into wrestling. And wrestling is what, in the beginning, because I, I think I was about fourth grade or something. And my, my mom's, one of my mom's best friends was a wrestling coach. Like, hey, you got to get these boys into wrestling. They're too wild, all three of them, you know? So we started out as wrestling and that just kind of kept on going. And then later on, I mean, I didn't know how far it was going to take me, but I ended up wrestling all the way through high school and then into college. And it was after wrestling I was like, you know, I really like this one-on-one competition. I really like, you know what I mean? And so I wanted to continue it. I wasn't the best wrestler in the world. I wasn't the worst. But I was like, the window, there's not too many opportunities as a wrestler to make it to that level. But then there was this MMA started coming around. And I was like, you know, I like this. This is like training. This is like boxing with training wheels. I can go out there and I can work on my hands. If I don't like it, I can take them down. And that's really what shifted me into and started me into down the fighting world, 100%. But it was all wrestling first. You were saying, it's quite interesting. You were saying that wrestling, you were not, you were not the best, but you were not the worst. What kept you at it? Why did you keep going at it? Why did you well, keep showing up at training? Because it's a, it's a hard and tough sport. Well, you know, the thing was, well, one, it's like I said, if my coaches put the time into me, then I'm going to, you know what I mean? Then I'm going to show up. And it's one of those things. But I think the biggest thing, what it was, was what happened was because I grew up the way I did, abused. And when I was, I think I was in high school. And when I won that first state title, I seen just, I seen the smile on my mom's face. And I seen all these people running up and congratulating her and telling her congratulations. I seen my brothers cheering and crying and happy. I seen my coaches all jumping up down, all excited. My sister, everybody was excited. It's like, I had to do was just go out there and win real quick, you know? And like I said, we grew up in an abusive, in an abusive household. And to see, and I was like, you know, this is all I had to do to put a smile like this on their faces. 
And I got addicted. I was like, all right, well, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what I'm. And so that's what drove me. That's what made me continue wrestling and stayed as a wrestler. And, you know, just that training and that training. And that's when wrestling ended in, at the college level. I wasn't going to be, again, there's only so many spots for the national team and the international team. I just wasn't that good. I was good enough to get a scholarship to college, but I wasn't an All-American. I got injured. And like I said, but then I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? How am I going to take that same idea, right? That same way of going out there as an individual, giving it hundred percent, showing everybody how much I love them, how much they, you know I mean? They mean to me just by putting in a hundred percent effort. And I was like, it's going to be fighting. And, and once I took the fighting, it was literally, it was the same thing to me other than adding in hands and possibly some, you know, submissions. It's still the same thing, going out there and doing that one-on-one. -on -one. And what I love about that is, is I'm, an I'm not an individual trying to be on a team. I'm on a team trying to, I mean, I'm not on a team trying to be an individual. I'm not sitting there trying to jump up and down, like, look at me, look at me. I'm an individual trying to be on a team. And that was what kind of, that's why I was so addicted to this one-on-one -on -one combative style, which was wrestling. And then moved it into fighting. But it was no, it was a no-brainer for me. Once I seen that smile on my mother's face and the tears in her eyes when I won that state title, that was that's all she wrote. I knew what I was doing. Jens, you were saying that you grew up in a in a family of abuse, you know, when you, you grew up. Can you give us a few examples of what happened? Some highlights so this we are really like struck in that struck your mind? Yeah, no, nah, it's um like I said, when I was five years old. My father had lined us, had us lined up on the, against the fireplace and had a shotgun shoved down my mouth and uh, just told my mom, choose. Choose whether I live or die. And then he just decided I wasn't worth the bullets. So he flipped the gun around and just beat me with the butt of it. And then he turned around and he just, you know, then he beat on my mother. And, you know, and it was just, um, that was, that was kind of life. Whenever my father would see a smile on her face, it would just, it, pissed him off. Whenever he seen us trying to do something good, it just, it pissed him off. And I'm not going to get into this. My parents are only 19 years older than me. And people say, well, why would you stick around or what? You know, I'm not even trying to hear that. My mother was, they worked together. They ran their own bit. They ran a business training horses. And she's always trying to look for the better part of it. He was, he's pretty good at this will never happen again. This never happened again kind of thing. And just a cycle. We were just stuck in a cycle. And that's, just how life was until it took an eight-year-old kid to call the police. My brother, one day when we were coming back from a big wrestling tournament, my father, we had just driven back from Wyoming and we went down to the racetrack and he, he comes in, he was all mad and he stole the car. So now all of a sudden we're sitting there, we got no vehicle and we're like, my mom's like, I can't believe this, all mad. So anyways, we get back to the house and then he shows up and He's like, I'm taking the van. I'm taking this. Like, well, you're not taking the van. And we had this fight over the car keys. She threw him to me. He's coming at me. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm throwing him back. And he's basically trying to kill me and my mom. It took, um, like I said, my baby brother was, on the, was in the house on the phone. And he called the police. Before we know it, the police showed up. And there they were. And they took him away. And that's kind of what that would be the separation, I guess. It wasn't really planned, but that's how it happened. You got a wrestling scholarship to go to college, Jens. You were not among the best. You were not among the worst wrestlers. 
being in a such masculine like environment, what was the the self talk? What was the mindset that you had going to training and showing up at training, especially since wrestling training is so hard? Well, you know the thing is, it's all about repetition. And I think the biggest thing is, and it's again, I learned it from Jesse Ipsa, which has really helped me. And I'll get to in a second about the calendar and planning it out. But see, that's the one thing for me that I that I've always found addictive was all I had to do is just show up. The coaches had the workout they had. So it was easy for me. All I had to do was just show up and give it 100%. And that, I mean, that was the easy part. I didn't have to sit there and be like, oh, well, what's going to be my workout? What am I going to do today? Whenever you have to do something like that, then you're in trouble. You know what I mean? You can't, because you'd be like, you know, maybe I'm not going to run today. I'm, you know what? I'm just not feeling I'm not going to show up and see. The difference was I was like a workhorse. They would put that thing in front of me and just because whatever, they took the time to write out the, the curriculum, right? Write out the workout. And I was like, that's it. I'm in. And I would just, I would just go hundred percent. That was one thing that it was every day. It just became life. And that's, you know, you just got to make it a lifestyle every day, just repetition, repetition, repetition. And even though at the time, like later on, you're thinking it's kind of mundane. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over. But for me, it was, that was my life. That was my schedule. And it's habits, right? Everything that we can create is through habits. It takes, what, 21 days to create a habit? That's, I don't know if I'm making that up, whatever, but it takes a moment, but it takes a routine, right? Repetition, repetition, repetition. And that's just kind of what I've been. I've been routined pretty much my whole my whole life, and I wouldn't know how to do without it. And that's, like I said, that's where Itzler saved me later on when it came to when I was done fighting one of the hardest things was, okay, well now who, how am I doing this? How am I doing this? Right. How, what am I going to, where are my workouts? And I always use the movie Maddie Gascar as a perfect example, because literally they're in the zoo, they're taking care of them. They're grooming them. They're petting them. They're all they got. And all they got to do is jump up on the stage rawr, and they do that. They do their show and then they just get to go in the back. They get to train, eat. And, but then one day they're done. They got no need for them. And they just kick them out in the jungle and they're thinking, but I never learned how to hunt. How am I, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And that's where Jesse Itzler and again, the calendar and learning how to take a calendar. You know what I mean? I have one with me every, I have, I'm constantly writing on it is, but I learned how to, so I learned how to structure for myself. I learned how to just write out my calendar and no matter what, I'm going to follow it. So that's the one thing that I took with me throughout as a fighter, as wrestling, as a kid, keeping with that routine and then learning how to later on being my own coach, so to speak, and learning how to create my own routine and sticking with it. It's kind of the only thing that's really saved me since. How did you deal with defeat in training? You know, the problem with defeat is it's, you never want to, okay, it's tough because I remember the first time I lost, like, oh, it was nightmarish or I've had situations where I was a two-time state champion going for my third state title and I got beat. I got upset by a kid that I beat twice. Well, I think same thing, losing in fights, going on a losing streak in my fights. You know, it's like, what, what do you do? You know, the first bump in the road, what do you do? I mean, and it's, it's like anything. It's detrimental, man. It's just crushing. You're just wrecked. And the first, what they tell you is what? Just get right back on the horse. Like I can just picture my mother. You get bucked off, get right back on the horse, jump back on, don't let the horse win, right? And so you just get right back to practice and you start working on the little things. All right, well, what happened here? What happened here? Let me fix this. Let's fix this. Let's cut. You know, you don't just go rearrange everything. 
but you just kind of, you just got to, you got to deal with it. This happens. What happened? I, I hesitated here. I didn't get this done. I should have probably believed. I think the biggest thing is I should have believed in my training, so to speak, right? Believe in my instincts, not second guess. Because when you start losing a couple of times, that's exactly what happens. You start, you start doubting yourself. And once you start doing that, then you have a real problem. Now you're like, all of a sudden, you don't believe in your instincts no more. You don't believe in yourself anymore. And pretty soon, you, there's no reason. It's like, why are you even doing this? Now you have to go find and just, you got to go completely find yourself and start all over. And you see a lot of people, they'll do that in different situations. But that's the one thing that the losses are, you can learn from them or they can be the most detrimental thing in the world. If you can take something from it, then it's a plus. You won't see it till later, but it's a positive. It don't feel like it right then, but that's why you just keep moving forward. And as long as you keep pushing forward, all of a sudden you get one win. It, all right. That kind of even it. Then you get two wins and now you're back on a winning streak and that loss just gets put behind you. Yeah. And I uh, discovered martial arts a few years ago. I started to train. So when I grew up, I grew up in Sweden. I don't look very Swedish. My parents are from Cambodia. We didn't have like a martial arts center where we grew up and there was no internet. A few years ago, I started uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I don't like sweaty men. I don't like heavy men on me. <laughs> I was like, let's try this thing. And I'm telling you, man, like some trainings, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm just losing here. Like, I don't know, like, what, what am I doing? What am I training for? That's self-talk. Have you had that? And if you, if you had, did you follow that same process? Like, okay, just showing up even when you were young. Well, you know, the thing was is, Especially when you go out there, yeah, the whole idea, people used to be like, you just roll around with other boy, you just roll around with other guys. It's like, what do you get? I'm like, yeah, but we're trying to hurt each other without hurting each other. Submissions and there's a dominance thing going on. It's not the way that some people like to try to clown it and make fun of, oh, you just roll around with other guys. Yeah, okay, whatever. Don't, don't get too crazy because I'll tie you into a ribbon without even thinking twice. But, you know what I mean? So you got you to gotta take care of yourself. But no, there, there's something about it. It's... It's just you and it's just you out there and it, everything, your heart, your conditioning, you can't hide those. And those are the only things that you can control, no matter what it is in a one-on-one -on -one situation. The only thing you can control is your heart and how hard you got, how hard you train to get there, your conditioning. That's it. Because you can go out there. You see so many times in a fight or anything else where you, you trained for three months and bam. Someone hits you in the face and you get, I just did all this training for what? And you get punched, right? So you never know when you go into the fight, but what you can do is you got to try to make sure you have covered all the things that you can control and you, and you got that to a level to the best of your ability. So you don't have any doubt. And that's the biggest thing is with training and stuff is you just got, you have to train to the point that, right? You have to get so in shape that the things that you can control and have them to the, so you know the crazy variable, the variables that are going to happen, you never know when you get into a live situation, but at least you know you have your, your basics covered and at 100%, if that kind of answers your question. But that's the biggest thing, right, is always be 100% be at what you can control because that'll help you deal with what's about to come in front of you and you can't, you know what I mean? When you go into that fight or that match, you never know because they have a game plan. They're training to beat you. And that's why, see, that's what gets me motivated when you look at it like that, 
now all of a sudden it's no longer, I'm not just rolling around with some other guy. We're trying to like, there's so many things happening inside. Like I'm trying to figure out how to crush you, but in a sport where it's just, it's one-on-one dominance, I don't want to get pinned in wrestling. I don't want to get submitted. I don't want to get knocked out, but their goal is to try to submit me. Their goal is to try to knock me out. And we both have game plans in doing this. So when you look at it at that level, it makes it a lot easier to understand. Like I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I think that helps a lot. But in, a, in the beginning, a lot of people are like, this is so weird. This dude is just smashing me and rolling me up like a booger and just flicking me out of here. He's just crushing me. This, what is this? But then when you find out why you're doing it, I think that a lot of people think the philosophical side of fighting or the philosophical side of that, you know what I mean? Side of it is when you get to that, it's like, all right, this makes sense. I'm actually learning these subtleties. You start to learn the little things that can make a difference, right? Like you want to learn how to, like today, I'm just going to figure out how to pass the guard in jujitsu. I'm just going to pass the guard. No matter, that's all I'm going to do today. So you learn, even though all these things are happening, you're focusing on one thing. This big firefight's happening, but you can somehow slow everything down and make it calm because I'm just trying to make one step. My step is I'm just going to pass this guard. That's it. And when you pass it once, boom, now you've got a little bit of confidence. You pass it twice. Oh, now you've got, now look at that ball starting to get up to the top. You pass it about a third or fourth time. Now that thing's steamrolling down the side. Now you've got it like, oh, I like this. And now you're starting to make small adjustments. And now all of a sudden it becomes addicting. But it would be like in anything, right? When you don't know, like if I walked into a kitchen, never cooked a day in my life, I'm going to just stand there and just be overwhelmed at the pots, the pans, the, the smells and everything. It's like, yeah. But then once you start to learn, it becomes a routine. Then you start to understand what it's really about, right? I mean, hopefully that makes sense. Jens, how would you say then? How, how does like the average Joe, how does like myself, like for example, become a great martial artist, like whether that's wrestling or jujitsu? What's the daily habits? What's the, what are like the, the steps one should be taking, for example? You know, I look at it like this. And it was when I met my wife and then I sit here and my producer, uh, Sean, who you met um, a minute ago, I started meeting people like this and world champion is a mentality. There, it, it's that simple. Being a world champion as a fighter, I used to think there's no way I can talk to these people. Like I can't talk to business. I can't talk to people that are in the, in the business world and you know, that are out there in the everyday world. Cause I can't relate to them. Cause I'm just a, a quote unquote, big, dumb fighter, little fighter, whatever you want to say. But then when you start talking to them and you start talking about the preparation, what it is, it's a lifestyle bottom line and if it's it's number one if it's your passion then it becomes really easy to make it your lifestyle right but it's habits everyday habits you're constantly out there you give yourself a schedule you stick with it if you love it it's a lifestyle like you do all the little things i always use the three little pigs as my perfect example most people everything is just you know when you look in the fighting world everybody's like i call it youtube trained so they made their house out of straw they just have an idea they know what finishing moves are but They don't know how to get there. They don't know about the conditioning. They just want to learn the finishing moves. Show me the end. Then you've got the next pig. They make the house out of sticks. It's a little tougher. They might do a little bit of jogging. They may do some, you know what I mean? They may go to a class or two, but they're still wanting that. They want that quick excitement. They want that, whatever they're looking, you know, whatever that is. I can't think of the word, but that satisfaction. They want that quick satisfaction of just seeing it end. Then you've got that third pig. Who's like, yeah, you guys get to go out and play. Well, I'm making a concrete foundation 
And now I'm building, I'm so you're building a concrete foundation, repetition, 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 all the boring moves, all of the things, building up your knowledge, understanding your, your fields just above anybody else, right? Knowing it without hesitation, you know, for the most part, you have this foundation, you know, your job, whether it be in mathematics and science, whatever it is, you know, your field and you spend every day learning it, right? So we have that concrete foundation. Then we build our house out of bricks. Now, depending on who our opponent is or our situation, one day that's a bedroom. The next day it gets transformed into a movie room. It can change. You can make small changes inside. And when the pig, so when the wolf shows up, basically at the end of the day, and it's time to go live, those two, all of a sudden, they were laughing at you saying, you're spending too much time on this house. You're spending too much time on this brick house. Come out and play, come out and play. You know what I mean? You're spending too much time running. You're training too much. You're always on the books. You're always learning. You're always educated. You're spending too much time. Come play with us. Well, when the wolf shows up, guess who's knocking on our door? Guess who's knocking on our door? Let us in. It's like, because you didn't want to take the time. So world champion is a mentality. doesn't matter what you're in. You can never say, oh, I'm not like you. I'm not a world champion. Yeah, you are. Anybody. It's just the mentality. This was my lifestyle. I did it 10, 11, 12, 13 hours a day, but it was all I thought about. Everything was about improvement. doesn't have to be in fighting. Whatever you want to do, learning every day to make that stuff just common, your basic, you know what I mean? Your mindset. And then, so you're just going through, you make it a habit. You make it part of your life. And next, you know, you're just, you're living as a fighter, as a writer, as an actor, as a business, whatever it is, right? Find, and that's what I tell people is find your passion and it makes it really easy. Long answer. Oh, I love that, uh, Jens. I love that answer. That makes me think when I grew up in Sweden, I used to be a very good ping pong player. And one of my mentors, he was, uh, was like the best in Sweden at that time. And I had the, the pleasure to live with him during school breaks and so on. I remember when I was 14 and he taught me how to do the laundry. And he said, like, you want to be a champ? You need to be knowing how to fold the laundry, do the laundry. And you, you need to be like wrapping it really nice like a champ because it's in the, all these details. It's not only what you do in the, in the gym, so to speak, he said. And, and that really, it resonates with me because it reminds me of what you were talking about right now. Well, it is. It's that fast version. Like I got Sean who helps me out a lot with, with the stream. Like you, you see the backdrop and you see all this stuff here. And that's one of those things. It's funny you say it with laundry because I like that because see, I'm just sitting here going, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then he can just come in here and he can start hitting buttons and flips, flips. And you know what I mean? And boom. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, look, man, I don't mind doing this for you, but I want to see you try first. I would rather see you and ask me, hey, I tried this, but I can't, rather than just sitting there and waiting for him to come in here and just adjust everything, right? And that's the one thing about like with my kids and the laundry, it's such a simple task, but it's my favorite thing to do is the laundry because you got to sort it and everything like that, fold it, put it all together and take the time. But you're also learning how to, you got to love like what you're doing, right? You got to love the things that get you there. You got to love the little things. And again, and that's the one thing that he taught me is just even seeing you try to figure out, it's funny. Like, Hey, I figured out, he's like, I see you changed the title. I'm like, yo, I was all pumped. Right. Like, yeah. He's like, oh, you're a big boy trying to figure out how to do it. But so that's my point is, but that's one thing, right. Is it's one thing. Some people just sit there and wait for that handout. Some people wait and, and wait for the laundry to be done. They wait for everything to be done for them. Other people will go out there. And even if you don't know it, 
just watching you try it will make somebody want to jump in to help you. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? And that's what I learned from him. And it's kind of, I got it because that's what I used to do when people would come into the gym and they would just automatically sit there and they would just start training. They would want to just train with me. And I'm like, well, here, here's what you do. I had one kid. I go here, go hit this bag. All right. And I just left him because I didn't ask him to come in. I was, he just walked into the gym. And so then after the first day he did his work, I said, good job. Then he come in the next day and I said, back at the bag. And he just started hitting the bag. I was at the gym, but it wasn't my gym. And so I was like, I just watched him. So about the third day, fourth day, he shows up and he's hitting this bag. And finally, I was like, and that's when I was like, all right. And so I walked over to him and said, hey, I go, how you doing? I'm, my name is Jens. He's like, oh yeah, I know exactly. I know who you are. This and that. I was like, all right, well, look, I go, here's what I want you to work on. I go, I see you coming. I go, learn how to turn those shoulders, snap that hand, work on the body. And I started just kind of teaching him how to shift his weight. And I go, and start working like this. It's going to help you a lot with this bag. Learn how to move with the bag. And next thing you know, he started doing it. And so I think it was about three or four more days. And I went up to, I said, all right, you keep showing up. I go, that's it. I go, come on. What? I go, here, I'm going to, I want to work with you. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, absolutely. What I meant by that is, I was like, look, I had to watch you because I'm not just going to, you walked in and you were expecting me to just start training you. You were expecting me to just drop what I was doing and come talk to you. I was like, I want you to show me that you want to be here. And that's why I waited. And it, it was kind of rude, maybe, or maybe whatever, but I want him to show me. I go, now, now we can work. And I guess, again, it goes back to what Sean was teaching me, which is I can, what's the point of showing if I'm, I'm either going to just do this for you or, but if you want to learn these things and it's something that you want to know in yourself, at least start trying so you can ask me a question rather than to say, how do I do this? I can't do this. Say, all right, I tried to do this, this, and this, and allow me to teach you rather than just serve you. And that's the biggest thing. Nobody wants to be served. And if you do, I mean, I'm, hey, I mean, I guess some, most, some people maybe do, but not in this world, right? Where you want to sit there and you want to learn how to do it. Again, when it's your passion, I understand it's scary in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing and everybody gets intimidated. I guess it goes back to that guard pass though that we were talking about in jujitsu. Slow it down and just find one thing. Master that, then add it in. Because if you just look at this massive chart of all this list of things to do, you're like, that's just too much. It's too much. I can't do this list. It's way too much. Take two of those from that list, slide them over and work on those two. Then go back and grab two more, slide them over and work on those two. Then go back. And before you know it, you've got this list of accomplishments and you look at that list that you were supposed is, is done. If that makes sense. It does. It makes me think of also my jiu-jitsu professor, my coach, who, who told me like, yes, being a world champ, you can be that on a mat, but, you know, it's really important to be world champ also outside the mat. And anyone 100%. can do that. You know, it's, it's a mentality. Really Everybody's a world champion. And it's just how much you want to take, you know, you know, when people say like, take pleasure, take time, slow down, understand the boring things. It's the little things. It's the running in the middle of the night. It's the training. It's the dieting. It's the sleeping. It's, it's all of it. It's not, you don't just pop up and become a world champion. The three little pigs, right? You don't just build your house out of straw, watch YouTube videos, and think you're going to become a master. Now, don't get me wrong. Watching those YouTube videos start to give you ideas so that you can now go out there and start utilizing and executing again, right? Take two. Go to the jujitsu. Go to the room and work on just a small guard pass. In boxing. Work on just head movement. 
work on just right. Or like with me, when it comes to trying to figure out how to work OBS and the stream labs and the studios and develop, like just pick a couple of them and I start getting like, I can get a habit. I can turn everything on and I can, but I can't, I can just troubleshoot just a little bit, but I can't where Sean can come in and just, I'm like, how do you do this? But right. My point is, but in anything that we do is when you start building that knowledge, then you can become the troubleshooter before you know it, you become the coach. So it doesn't matter what world we're in or what we do for a living. It's just having that mentality, doing the extra and making sure, like I said, building your concrete foundation. You were mentioning philosophy before, Jens, and martial arts and wrestling. What role has philosophy played in your role when it comes to martial arts or have it or have it not? You know, the hardest part is what I've learned is it wasn't until recently, to be honest, but I've learned that I've had, I didn't know what PTSD was. I didn't understand when people started talking about PTSD. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm sad that I have to be retired at 40 years old. I'm sad that I can't compete anymore. But the reality was, nah, man, it's, I developed it when I was a kid and it was something that it goes back to my abusive father. Whenever I did something good, I sat around and waited for the other shoe to drop always because that's what he did. Whenever he seen us smiling, he would want to knock that smile off our face. So I developed that. So like becoming a world champion, you see people all the time that become stars or they become successful at what they're doing. And some say they became at an early age, whatever it is. For me, I became the world champion. And it was single-handedly probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. Why? Because now all of a sudden I'm at the top and everybody's looking at me and I spent my whole life trying to waiting for that other shoe to drop. Constantly waiting for something bad to happen because that's how I grew up. That was my PTSD. Even to this day, whenever I do something good, I'm constantly waiting for that other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for something bad to happen. That's the side that you have to learn just in general is you have, I have to learn how to just, the way that your thinking process is messed up and we got we to gotta fix that for ourselves. And that's where I've learned how to, this whole idea of learning how to be your own best friend first has probably been the coolest thing I've ever figured out, studied and, under, and trying to understand is because just like anything else, it takes training. Learning how to say good things to yourself because there are plenty of people out there ready to say negative things to you and about you. They don't even need to know you. But if you're already beating yourself up over and over and over, all it takes is one person to say some smart ass comment. And that's that one ton brick that breaks the camel's back and it crushes you because you've already put yourself down. Like I said, there are things I would say to myself that if I caught you saying that to my wife and kids, I would smash you. So why is it okay that you can say it to yourself? It's not. So you have to learn what I think is the hardest thing, the philosophical side of just life in general, is learning how to be your own best friend first. People like they'll they'll look at it from and be like, oh yeah, no, I'm like, no, I'm being dead ass serious. Remember that world champion mentality we were just talking about? You got to learn how to do that to yourself, and you have to start off small. You got to start with one positive thing. Say one positive thing to yourself in the morning, and before you know it, then you'll probably get overwhelmed by a whole bunch of negative, quote unquote, shit, right? That you got to deal with. But then you got two positive things, then three, and before you know it. You're just a positive person. And when somebody says that negative, it's just a bump on the scale. And then you're right back on that even road. It's not this massive roller coaster of destruction and passion and whatever else that you're on. And I think the philosophical side of just in general is that learning how to be your own best friend first is probably the greatest thing that you could teach yourself. 
period. I don't care who you are. It's probably the best thing you can teach them because then how can you be good to other people if you can't be good to yourself? Amen, 100%, yes. When, um, when you grew up and you were wrestling and then you, you discovered mixed martial arts, who were your mentors? Who did you look up to? Because you didn't have that from home, right? My mother was my hero. She's still to this day. And it wasn't that I looked up to her. It's, I just wanted to see her smile. I had a brother that shot somebody when he was 16 years old and was in and out of prison. He's still in prison for 55 years. And I just wanted my mom to smile. I didn't want her to feel like a failure. I didn't, and as a, as a mom, I didn't want her to feel like that because like she, the, the, her sweetheart, my father, at, when they were 19 year old kids, turned out to be a piece of shit. I didn't want her to feel that way. I didn't want her to blame herself. Shit happens. I just wanted to see her smile. And I wanted my baby brother to have a good example. And I wanted my sister to have a good example. I thought I wanted my middle brother to do it, but he was a hellion and oh well, there ain't much I can do. But that's what motivated me. And then I was raised by coaches. Coaches and parents that I wasn't even their child would take me to wrestling tournaments and take care of me. And they loved me like I was, I wasn't like, they didn't love me like I was one of their kids. They loved me like I was a kid. And I was just trying to learn. And I was friends with their brother and their, you know, with their, with their son and their daughter. And they brought me with them. And then those were my heroes. And they were the people I just wanted to, like I said, all I had to do was go out there and just give it 100%. And that's my way of showing. And I could see the smiles in their faces. And I could see them. And that's all I had to do to make them proud, to show them that I love them. I didn't have to buy them all these cool gifts. I just had to go out there and give it 100%. And they got that. And that's what was addicting, right? That's how you show them you love them. You just train hard. You try hard. You, you just put a smile on your face. You be a positive person. And those are my heroes and those are my mentors. If it wasn't for those coaches and if it wasn't for my mother, I'd be the one serving time in prison. Pretty sure because I was a pissed off kid. I did a lot of shit. I did a lot of street fighting. I did a lot of dumb things. But wrestling kept me going because I never wanted to see that, that frown. I never wanted to see my mother cry. Because I got locked up. It wasn't going to happen. I wanted to see her cry because I just won the state tournament. I wanted to see her cry because I just won the world title. I wanted to see her cry because she's just proud and happy. And that's what I was addicted to it. Yeah, and so you, there are over 7 billion people in this planet. You are the number one fighter in the world. Like, where did that work ethic come from? Because wrestling, mixed martial arts is a really, really hard sport. When you're like in the fourth round and you, you can barely breathe, where does that inner drive come from? Where does that like that inner voice come? Where does that little voice come to you? Everybody's Why is that gotta, strong to you? Everybody's got to have that proverbial middle finger to somebody. There's got to be something or someone, whether it be depression, cancer, diabetes. My father was that middle finger. My father was the person that I said, one day I'm going to get I'm going to get so famous. I'm going to tell everybody about you one day. And it drove me. It drove me to become the best person, the best fighter in the world. And after I made that documentary, I, I, I wasn't winning. I didn't win as many fights afterwards because the anger was gone. The, the pain was gone. I finished what I started. But everybody needs that. Everybody needs that one doubter, that one little thing. You don't let it drive you into the ground and make you become a failure. There's a reason why I was never going to be a failure because I wouldn't give that piece of shit the time of day of failing. 
pardon my French, but fuck him. And that's literally, I can still utilize it. It still gets me up. I'm never going to let that, I'm never going to let that dude beat me. Be it, like I said, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, having that proverbial middle finger to something, that's what gets you up on the days when it really sucks. It's easy when shit's going great. That's real easy. It's easy to get motivated when everything's awesome. It's horrible when shit is terrible and you just don't want to get up and you feel like garbage and you just lost five times in a row. What makes you, you know what I mean? What makes you do it? Because you have that proverbial middle finger to something and that's the, you have to have it. And that's the thing. You don't let it beat you. You, you carry it. You don't hang on to it and let it be like a, like a, like a tick. You just, you use it and you allow, you look back at it and you move, you move past it. You don't let it hold on to you. Cut the anchors, let that shit drop swim and enjoy it. But remember where you came from, have that proverbial middle finger to drive you on the days when shit ain't pretty. And that's what I did. And that's what it was. I always had that little middle finger towards my father because I told him I was going to do this. You said something interesting, Jens. You said it's easy to wake up when things are not going so well. And you have that in a drive. You had a little middle finger, you know, towards your father or whoever that is. But when you are the lightweight champion of the world, things are bright, man. Everyone is adoring you. Everything is great. Like you can get whatever you point your finger at. What was the first weeks of you being the world champion? How was that? You know, did you still have that drive or? Oh, yeah. Because now you're at the top of the mountain and everybody's looking at you. In fact, it was probably worse. It was it scary. Was worse, no? yeah. Because now I got to feel what it was like on the other side of the, you know what I mean? At the top of the mountain. But now everybody's looking up at me and everybody wants what I have. Everybody wants that belt. Everybody that's starting to fight has a picture of me on the wall. Not because, ooh, this is my hero because I'm going to beat this dude. They are now, you become their dream, their desire. You become that proverbial middle finger that's going to drive them and get them up every day because they want to beat you. And that was tough. So then that's something I didn't learn. You know, that's a whole nother thing. How do you learn when you're at the top to stay motivated. And that's something I should have worked on and could have worked on and wish I would have worked on a little differently. But you're going to have to figure that out for yourself when you get to the top. Because for everybody, you know, it's, we'll all tell you life is short, live it to the fullest, all that. I mean, I get it. But when you get up there, everybody's, now you are the goal. You are, they're setting their sights on you. You're the reason they get up every day. You're the reason they're training their ass off. You're the reason they're motivated, angry, fired up. They want to take what you have. So some people can let that beat them. And some can utilize this and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to rise to that occasion. And I'm going to show you just how good you have to be to beat me. And that's the motivation you have to have. I'm going to show you. And that should motivate you. Now that you're at the top, what motivates you to keep going? It's the ones that are out there and they're laying the foundation in the forefront. They're out there pioneering. And they're like, look at this. Follow me. You want to try to be me? You're not ready to be me. And I'm going to show you. Here, jump into my world for two seconds and feel the whirlwind. And they're like, nope, not ready. And then off they go. You know what I mean? So that's the thing that should motivate you. And that's something I didn't learn until later on in life is that's the motivating factor. Show them. That's what gets you to go every day when you are at the top and every, you're kicking ass every day. What keeps you going? I'm going to show everybody I'm going to clown them. I'm going to show them what it's like to be at the top for one second. I want to make it so difficult. They're going to realize, oh, shit. I'm just that pig out there building my house out of straw. And I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm in way over my head. You should feel that way because you are. 
And how dare you think it's this easy just to get up here? And don't get me wrong. Some people, they, it happens. But that's, hey, man, the sun shines on everybody's ass once. I mean, it happens. Was that a self-revelation later on, uh, Jens? Or was that something that you learned from a mentor or a friend? No, that's something I learned later, having to go through it. This is me on the other side. I've climbed back down off that mountain. And this is me telling you, all right, here's what's up there. It's pretty damn cool. It's a hell of a, it's worth the hike. 100% it's worth the hike. Be careful on the way down. And while you're up there, take some pictures, enjoy the fucking moment, learn how to write out some goals, do what you got to do, build from it, use that scenery, use that view, look out there, create what you're going to get, map out your game plan of what you want to do for the rest of your life. Cause it's too hard to stay up here like this for too long. But when you're up there, embrace it, have some fun, build what you got to get the ideas, what you want to do, climb the fuck back down off that mountain and go out there and go succeed with the rest of the shit you want to do. Cause you know what it takes to become a world champion. You know what it takes day in and day out. Now utilize what you've learned to become that champion and use that and, and build whatever you need to build. So that's what you would say then if you were to meet John Jones today or Amanda Nunes. Well, they're already at the top. Just yeah. tell them, I hope you're having fun up there. Enjoy it. Don't worry about it. Because the problem is, it was like I tell anybody, ride until the wheels fall off because you're all going to be too old to do this whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter. But once you're up there, you get the time. Most people retire in their high 60s and 70s. I'd retire at 39. I'd retire from doing what I love at 39. But while I was up there, you know what I learned? I learned to do something that I can do for the rest of my life. Love Tell that. stories, coach, something that I can do till the day I die. So I've already experienced, I've already had my midlife crisis. I'm already on the other side. Most of you will see at 65, 70 years old, And I'll tell you how it works because I'll already be rolling through. I'll already be on the other end and, already, and I'll let you know how it works. It's just simple. Jens, I need to ask you about anxiety. Anxiety? Yeah. Anxiety is if I don't go pick my wife up here in 20 minutes, she's going to, I'm going to, the anxiety is how we crunch this time together. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get her, but I got to do this because I love talking. No, anxiety is this, man. And here's what it is. It goes back to learning how to be your own best friend. But the other thing about anxiety, you know what anxiety comes from? And I learned this from a friend of mine, Thomas. Anxiety, how do you go, how do you handle anxiety and depression? Knowledge. What's the situation that's, that you're nervous about? And it goes back to fighting for me. What's the situation? Oh, well, I'm nervous. I'm gonna have to step out there in front of millions of people and they're gonna see me. I'm fucking scared. I gotta give this presentation. Exactly. Well, how do you, what, what can you do to get rid of that? Go ahead. That's what exactly what I wanted to ask. Because I, I competed in my first jiu-jitsu competition uh, last year. Yeah. And I've never been having so much anxiety in my life where I was like, it was blocking me from leaving the hotel to go to the stadium, which was like yeah. a three minutes walk. Because my heart was bumping so fast. Well, like, that's, but what do you think helps you? What, what was the, what's the one thing that you can take with you that can give you comfort? I've done, I've prepared as hard as I can. I've trained as hard as I can. I know this. And then you just go out there and find out. That's what it is. Preparation. The knowing that you trained your ass off. The knowing that you're as ready as you're going to get. And that is the comfort that will propel you to walk in there. Of course, it's scary. The unknown is always scary. Not to mention they're trying to knock the shit out of you. Or they're trying to, they're trying to submit you. They're trying to run over you. 
they have a game plan too. But the only thing that you could control, you went at it and you gave it 100%. You controlled it. You conditioned yourself. Now, when I see you out of shape and I see you not prepare, I have no sympathy for you. I don't care because you had that coming. You deserved it. You deserved to get clowned because you made a joke of what I do for a living. You made a joke out of this sport. And so I don't have, I don't feel for you because the only thing like get your ass out on the road and start, start, you know what I mean? Start grinding. And then we'll, we'll see you again. So you didn't have any fear then or anxiety when you stepped into the cage? Oh God, no, of course I did. Of course. Always. A lot about that, that he was so scared. Oh no, of course I am. But it's because I don't want to let people down. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want to quote unquote fail. I don't want to lose in front of millions of people. I don't want to have to listen to the comments. I don't want to have to deal with this. And that's why when I lose, the first thing I do is run out there and I apologize to my coaches. I'm sorry I let you down. Then I run and apologize to my family. I'm sorry I let you down. Then I run and apologize to anybody wearing a little evil t-shirt. I'm sorry I let you down. That shit is hard. That's a hard pill to carry. Because guess what? When I win, I'm jumping in the crowd. Woo! I'm embracing them because I just built them all up. That's hard. You're crushing a lot. You don't sit there and go, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. Man, poor me. That's the last thing on your mind. You start going, fuck me, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You feel like you let everybody down. That's the hardest part. I've never walked in there once going, man, I might get hurt. I may never come out of here. I'm like, man, I just don't want to go out there and not perform. I don't want to let my coaches down. We worked so hard to get ready. I just want to perform. And if you can get to and that's why it's so hard. That's what makes it a nightmare. When you have to step up and actually perform and the accountability. Accountability sucks. Yeah. I don't have a lot of more questions, Jens, because I know you're very busy. But I am very curious, though. You fought the famous BJ Penn, who is, for those that don't know, one of the absolute best mixed martial artists ever. How did you solve that puzzle? It was, I remember sitting there after the, we were in the third round, the second round, and he almost had me in an arm bar. I remember sitting there in between the rounds, going into the third round, and this kid was jumping up and down. He was holding this Hawaiian flag, and he was flipping me off outside the crowd. I was just thinking to myself, is he, is that, I'm in here laying my, man, putting my life on the line. This dude's out here flipping me off and clowning me. I was like, you know what? I'm pissing in that dude's Cheerios right there. I'm pissing in that kid's Wheaties. And for some reason, that's just what picked me up, and I never lost another minute and never lost another second of that fight. And I won the fight. The point is I knew that I was ready. See, that's what I'm saying. It's, I know that the preparation was there, but now it's just that one little adjustment, the small adjustments inside that brick house. Today, it's a bedroom. Tomorrow, it's a movie theater. The next day, it could be a little, whatever, bar, a tiki bar, whatever. My point is the foundation was built and I just needed that one little spark to make one small adjustment. And that's all it took. And that's the thing about when I was fighting BJ Penn, I was an eight to one underdog, but I knew what I could control. I made it, I, I controlled it for, all, I, I get a hundred percent. I did a hundred percent. And then all it was, was just the small little adjustments in the fight. Cause that's the thing, right? When we're out there and we're in a live scenario, little things will happen, but because you know, you have a solid foundation and you're in a solid house and you know, you're ready. You can make those small adjustments. And that's the adjustments I had to make. And I made it. And I never lost a minute, another minute. And I won the fight and I beat, I beat him. Then he got me the second time, but I also beat him in ping pong. But that was a whole nother deal. But when it was time for me to defend my world title against the kid, that the greatest jujitsu practitioner 
from America and he's over here and he's knocking everybody out. Now I'm the eight to one underdog. Yeah, man, because I was so prepared. Again, it gets back to everybody. It goes back to how we started in the beginning. My foundation was set. My house was built. My concrete, my bricks were done. I was ready. Small adjustments is all you have to make. If you're out there trying to make big adjustments, again, it's this huge list, right? It's too overwhelming. It'll break you down. Give yourself the chance and give yourself the opportunity to deal with those hard situations by minimalizing and only having one or two tasks to have to accomplish. You don't have this big ass list. You've got one thing, bump it over. So I guess to tie everything together from what we were talking about in the beginning is, that, but that's it, right? Build yourself, build that concrete foundation, learn how to be good to yourself, learn how to prepare yourself, motivate yourself, build yourself every day. So when you do get into a situation and you have to deal with a hard moment, it's just a bump. And you can make that little adjustment and get right back on that even plane. That's that world champion mentality. Yes. To sum up then against BG Penn, the mindset and finding that little trigger in the audience, being prepared were your keys to solve that puzzle. 100%, 100%, yeah. 100%. That was it, man. Just like I said, like I just said, that was my mic drop moment. Poof. I just said that was it. You know, that was the one. That is all you got to do. And that, but literally, no matter what the situation is, as long as you've done enough to build that foundation, they're just little bumps and it helps you deal with it. They're not this big, explosive, catastrophic, life-ending situation that you got to do something drastic and stupid and you're serving 55 years in prison. Jens, I have a last question. Our audience loves routines and tactics. How does your two first hours in the morning look like? And do you have a special ritual before going to bed? No ritual before going to bed besides streaming. And then the tactic first thing in the morning is get up at 5.30 and I have to, I have to start cooking breakfast for my kids because they've got school. So I get them up at 5.30. I have their laundry in the dryer so it'll be nice and warm and fluffy. When I have them put it on, then I have my protein shake. I drink, well, first I drink my water instantly. Then I drink my protein shake. And after having enough, at least 32 ounces of water, then I grab my cup of coffee and I'm going to make my way to the gym right here. And I'm going to, I'm going to start lifting daily routine, daily routine. And unless it's scheduled ahead of time, you don't get to skip that routine based on a whim. You have to schedule it ahead of time in that calendar. That's all you got to do, man. Get a calendar, follow it, write out your daily routine. And unless it's scheduled, stick to it, stick to it, stick to it. No skipping. Thank you for that. I love that, Jens. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so pumped. I'm sure the audience is pumped as well. All right. Well, I appreciate it. it. Thank you very much. Thank appreciate you, Jens. It. Have a great day, y'all. Thank you for listening to Fika with Rice. I hope you enjoyed the show. Who do you want to have on our show? Let us know by sending me an email at frederick at absoluteinternship.com. And before you go, if you like this conversation, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or Spotify to get to listen to more inspirational stories and life hacks. We'll really appreciate it. See you next time and much gratitude for listening.